Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we are bringing to you all the news and every fantasy relevant injury ahead of week 14. As always, on this edition of the podcast, I'm joined by PFF's own Andrew Erickson and Dwayne McFarlane. Dwayne, we'll start with you. How's it going? Man, it's good. It's Friday, week 14. Going to hear Andrew drop some uh, DFS nuggets into my ear. Whisper sweet nothings into my ear all podcast long, Andrew, so I can make money. Dwayne's wearing a hat, I think, for the first time ever on a podcast. What's it say, man? Let's talk about it. Uh, Heim Barbecue, man. It's a Fort Worth barbecue place. Um, it's awesome. It's it's really good. We have a lot of really good barbecue here, though. So it's uh, I, I, I need, I need to get some more hats and give more love out to more places. <laughs> I think last time I wore a hat on one of these, I had like my backwards Cavs hat and like one of our listeners who I all appreciate, but uh, I think they were from like London or Ireland or something. They were just like, Americans always wear their hats in the stupidest ways. So, you know, respect. And maybe that's why I haven't been wearing hats uh, as often on here. Andrew, no hat. How's it going? No hat. It's going good, man. It's going good. Fantasy playoffs are, are coming up. You know, most years, week 14 is the fantasy playoffs, so it's kind of weird. You know, week 14 still, last week of regular season, four teams on bye week. Guys are getting COVID on the bye week. Madness out there. Got that Gaskin news. Of course, as always, on this edition, we go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and, you know, just some other notes. Uh, we're recording this at 4 p.m. on Friday, so might still have some West Coast news coming in later, but generally we should be able to touch on each and every fancy relevant player guys let's get started with Taysom Hill practicing full all week and we just got official word that he is not on the injury report will be starting on Sunday Andrew we talked about this a lot in the DFS pod but like one of the biggest questions is like Taysom Hill versus Cam Newton Taysom Hill versus Russell Wilson he's really like kind of on that uh, QB1 borderline with a bunch of guys that I think people are struggling to play Dwayne you know, I've kind of come around on him a little bit more as the week's going. I know he's got the banged up finger, but it's the freaking Jets at this point. So, guys, I have Taysom right now as my QB 10 ahead of guys like Burrow, like Cousins who just played, like Russ, like Cam Newton. Andrew, you first. Where do you have uh, Taysom and how confident are you that he can go six for six on working as a fantasy QB 1? I got Taysom at number eight. So, I'm very Ooh. confident in him getting the job done. I mean, look, Gardner Minshew was a top 10 quarterback or top 12 quarterback against them last week against the Jets. I, the matchup is so good. They're going to run the football. It's going to be Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara. Everyone else is pretty much irrelevant, I feel like, in this offense. You don't need to stack them with anybody in DFS. So I think that it's, it's pretty clear cut. You just play Taysom Hill. Dwayne, he has practiced in full all week. I know it's not ideal that we already have a running back playing quarterback, and now that guy's right throwing hand is banged up. Where do you have Taysom this week? Uh, I don't like him. I mean, I have him at 17. I'm starting Burrow, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Heineke, Cam Newton, Justin Fields, starting all those guys over Taysom Hill. My thought is, yes, the Jets suck, but they're also still an NFL team. And if you just come out there and you can only do one thing against them, there's a chance they're going to stop it. Like that, you need to be able to do both things, right? So that they have to respect those two things. So I think anybody, when they really have to commit to it, you know, except maybe the Bills at this point can stop the run. Um, so it's, I don't know. I just struggle to see the big upside with it. We know we have his legs, but I just worry about, you know, can he, how, how many passes can he even complete on top of that? With least Newton, I know I get both things. Justin Fields, I get both things. I do love the matchup of the Jets, so I follow that logic completely. I, right, but to your point, like the Bills, everyone can run them. Everyone can run the Jets. We just saw them face an Eagles team that didn't even have Jalen That's Hurts, what you say, but we've seen these down. sort of situations not work out right. You know, like most yeah. NFL teams can take one thing away if it's all they've got to do. So it's just, you know, I've, we probably got them all really close, like in how the points are. Like I just have him, you know, at the bottom of that tier that I just named. Okay, so we're all over the place on this one. Sorry we can't give you guys, uh, you know, the complete all three of us agreement ranking. But you know what? That's just the way. The and if his DFS roster ship gets high, like I love it. Like because I can. That's an easy fade to me. That's bad chalk. Yeah. We will see Mr. McFarlane. Some other quarterback injuries that aren't exactly as bad as we thought they were earlier in the week. Joe Burrow with the finger, also a banged up knee. He is reportedly throwing normally, not wearing a glove in practice, fully expecting to be his usual self on Sunday. Maybe we see a little bit more Joe Mixon, but I will say, I mean, Burrow, 
maybe didn't look as good after initially suffering that injury. But like when he went to the sideline, he had that initial like issue happen and we saw the grimace and we saw like how bad it looked. I was expecting a much harsher drop off in the game than what we actually saw. Well, we do have some, you know, Burrow quotes saying that, you know, he is gripping the ball a little bit differently. Dwayne, I heard you already say that you have Burrow ahead of Taysom. Sounds like you're not too worried about this injury impacting his overall fantasy performance. I mean, yeah, just based off the injury news that we've gotten is that he's pretty much going to be 100%. So, I mean, I just, I, I look at the slate and like, this is one of the games that I think does have some blow up potential, right? With Cincinnati and San Francisco, two teams playing for something, both have both have shown to be able to have quality offenses on a given week, not maybe always consistently have a quality offense, at least for the 49ers. So yeah, I, it's one of the spots I like. So I've got Burrow at 11. Also have word early in the week, it looked like Jake Fromm was going to be starting under center, but Mike Glennon is on pace to clear the concussion protocol. Head coach Joe Judge did confirm that he is on track to start this week. Andrew, you know, spoiler, but we got some wide receiver news with the Giants as well, where Galladay's a little bit banged up at the rib, tentatively expecting him to play though. And Sterling Shepard, based on how he's been looking at practice, is also looking like even if he's listed as questionable, he could be on more of the right side of that. Whereas Kadarius Tony still not doing much at practice might still be a week away you care about any of these pass catchers in new york like to the extent that we're kind of firing them up as top 30 top 35 guys or is it more as we talked about in dfs pod saquon barkley and that's pretty much it yeah i think that for me i really want to focus my attention on, on saquon barkley you know the chargers are a defense that you want to attack on the ground not necessarily through the air you have mike lennon as a backup quarterback i don't see why the giants would be like all right well let's throw the ball downfield like that hasn't been working all season long so sterling shepherd is a kind of like interesting in a season-long format because he's just been so hyper targeted this year when he's been on the field he's been one of the higher in terms of target rate per route run all season but you know we haven't really seen him play with mike lennon the big the big glove game for Kadarius tony happened with mike lennon playing half of that game so I do have question marks. I know the Chargers defense has been pretty strong against slot receivers this year specifically. Now there's some question marks about Chris Harris, you know, the cornerback for the Chargers, if he's going to play. So I might move Shepard up a little bit, but for the most part, if Harris is out there, Chargers have been really good against slot receivers. And I, I don't think it's like, I, I don't think you need to be over aggressive putting Shepard into your lineup with the backup quarterback coming off an injury. Like, I think that's kind of like you zoom out, you look at that, you're like, mm, I could probably find something better in my lineup. A couple quick notes before we move on to running backs. Aaron Rodgers back at practice on Friday, not at 100% with the toe, but he will continue to go, give it a go, starting against that Bears team. that He told all of us last time how much he owns them. Also, in that same game, Justin Fields will thankfully be starting over Andy Dalton despite continuing to have this rib injury. Also, note from Houston that Davis Mills will be starting the rest of the season because he, quote, gives the team the best chance to win. So, cool. Like, Cully, you made up the Tyrod wrist injury? Like, I don't know. Just freaking name. Davis Mills a starter if he wants if you want him to be your starter you don't need to throw Tyrod under the bus like that but who cares it's the Texans anyway <laughs> and then finally with the Panthers we got Matt Rule so once again saying that PJ Walker is definitely an option as a change of pace QB last time he said that though Walker did not play a single snap so I guess like Again, Dwayne, like the Cam versus Taysom thing. Like, are you putting any stock to what Rule's saying here and the fact that he doesn't have McCaffrey? Because this is the spot for Cam where if we are going to play him with confidence again, it's going to be this week. It's not going to be against the Bills or the Buccaneers in the following two weeks. Overall thoughts on Cam and this Panthers passing game? I think the risk that Cam carries, right, of losing snaps to Walker is that if he's just sucking so bad where it won't matter anyway, you weren't going to give it what you wanted out of Cam. I think it's all up to Cam is basically what I'm saying. If he's playing terrible, I think we could see PJ Walker again. And so it's not really going to matter. It's boom bust all the way. So either Cam comes out and plays great and you do fine and he won't share any time with PJ Walker, he'll be good to go. Or he's going to come out and suck and yeah, he's going to get benched. But either way, you wouldn't have got the outcome you wanted from Cam. So I'm just going to I'm 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 fading this. I feel like this is just noise. All right. Just got some news. All right, as we get to running back. Good timing. Jamal Williams on the reserve COVID list. <laughs> All righty. Wow. You got the All name right. ready, Ian. You got the pronunciation ready. No, I don't because I had it written down. <laughs> oh, you said I that you could produce this on air. You know, listen to this. <laughs> Big talker. Isn't it Igwebuke? Hold on. I think you I'm, taught me. Igwebuke. It's it's Goblin. I can't freaking find it. <laughs> I think I think it's right. I, I Goblin Igwebuke. Goblin Igwebuke. There we go. He's so, the guy, right? Well, he's going to be the passing down back. I think I think Jamar Jefferson 
could be really the guy that gets the workload as far as the rushing attempts on the ground. We saw earlier in the season whenever they didn't have Jamal Williams due to that hip issue and you had DeAndre Swift out, it was Jamar Jefferson that actually was filling in the early down stuff. And then it was Iwabuke that came in to run the pass. This fly, you guys are going to see me punch myself in the face. It's going to be, it's going to be for, it'll be the most viewed uh, view, YouTube that we've had this season because it will just be, look at this idiot, like hitting himself in the face. Um, focus. Yeah, keep focused. Um, so yeah, it would be okay. Passing downs, I would say. Now, again, remember with the Lions, like that can be a lot of your plays because they trail uh, the third most, I think, in the NFL by four or more points. So the, it could be, it could be both players being involved. I, I don't think we get an, an easy answer on it, though. Are, do you see either guy being ranked in your top 24, even like your top 30? That's what I'm just kind of thinking through here on the fly. Um, <laughs> you hear what I mean? Oh, I my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just naturally talented like that. I uh, Man, and I don't think either one of them make my top 24, Ian. There's just enough – there's enough – you know, of, you know, kind of a haze around who's really going to get the work. I see them probably both being in like my RB3 range. Andrew, same thoughts? Uh, well, I know I'm going to have to start one of them in the Scott Fishbowl because Jamal Williams was my, uh, my ride or die running back too. So I just picked up both of those guys on the air. Jamar Jefferson and Godwin and Budabuke are both on my, on both of my roster. But I think for me, yeah, I think definitely outside top 24, maybe like, between 30 and 24 is like, I, that's probably where they would go, but in that like tier, I think that. Yeah. So I think again, it's, it's a situation where, I mean, if you were gonna play Jamal Williams, cause people were playing Jamal Williams, it's like, I think you have to then play Godwin. And again, if they're gonna be trailing in this game, I think that makes sense that you would play him as, if you don't have any other options, it's not like there are running backs with workloads kind of like just sitting out on the waiver wire, so. If you need to plug and play Godwin as the RB2 to fill in for Jamal Williams, that's what I would do. But outside of that, I don't think that you want to play him in like your flex. I think there are receivers you could probably play. Uh, I know, I think Dwayne tweeted this out, whereas like last week was like an RB flex weekend. Like this week, not the case, like play wide receivers. <laughs> this is still a Lions offense on the road in Denver implied the score just 16.25 points. Yeah, close start sit questions with like these running backs versus a competent wide receiver three. I'm probably gonna be taking the wide receiver each and every time. Uh, okay, we'll also, also officially Keenan Allen ruled out. We'll talk a little bit more about that Chargers wide receiver situation. When we get there, sticking to the script, that running back, Zico Elliott does not carry an injury designation, but if you watched the Cowboy game over the past month, you know that knee injury is continuing to give him a lot of problems. Tony Pollard is officially listed as questionable with that foot injury. Dwayne, like, we're, we're, we're starting Zeke. I get it. He's still a touchdown-dependent RB2 in an offense that scores a lot of touchdowns, so he should be fine. I think you, most rosters would be hard-pressed uh, to not start Zeke. But what we started to see last week with, you know, maybe it was against the Saints, too, one of the league's better uh, run defenses, and I think they do have a similar effect as the Buccaneers where teams are more willing to pass. But with Pollard now also banged up in addition to Zeke, I think maybe the big takeaway here is that Dak, Gallup, C.D., Cooper, these could be the guys that are actually now seeing a lot more volume against the Washington defense that, let's face it, I don't think they can stop this Cowboys passing game when everything's clicking. Yeah, that's my takeaway. And I think it's just they don't want to overload Zeke right now, like even if everything's working. And then with Pollard having an injury he has, I mean, we could see Edo Smith up, but that's not something that, you know, you're really that excited about. So I do think we could see a little more from Zeke, you know. Um, my guess will be that, you know, situationally, they'll still use Zeke where they feel like they need to run the ball. He's still probably going to have an opportunity to score some touchdowns and things like that if this game gets going. I just don't think we're going to see any of these games. We won't see a game where Dallas runs the ball 50% of the time, or I'd be very surprised to see that, even if they're leading. So my guess is they're going to pass early and often. Even if they're ahead, they're going to use probably more of the short passing game, different things like that. Remember, this is really only going to be the second game all season because we can't count last week. Amari Cooper really wasn't back, right? Even though he was back, he hardly played. He was obviously still sick, filling the effects of COVID. So this is really only going to be the second game all season that we've got to see Dak with Gallup plus Lamb plus Amari. So I think they, they've they got enough to do it. And you've got Dalton Schultz. He can work underneath in the short game. So I think they'll substitute running with more short passes and things like that and to be honest it's probably a good thing for the cowboys because they yeah. they need to get that part of their offense really rolling again and then as zeke gets healthy down the stretch you know 
then maybe we'll see Zeke start to have more value. But I've got Elliott this weekend in my third tier. And so I've got him at RB18 right now. It might be if I'll probably move him up a little bit, Ian, if Tony Pollard ends up out, just not as much as what some people probably would expect, because I do think the Cowboys are going to limit him no matter what. Yeah, I got him RB17, same area. I guess you could say this Cowboys offense is set up to fly this week. You know, <laughs> you could say that. You could say that. James, Robbins, James Robinson, heel and knee. They're now giving him Thursday rest days. No injury designation going to the weekend. Uh, good to see. He's you know been dealing with this issue for weeks now, but it's kind of been going back and forth uh, with him being game time decision or not. Andrew, like. I'm I'm happy about that. I think he might deserve to be bumped up a little bit. Right now, I have him RB twenty two. Where are you kind of viewing Robinson? He's, is he someone like that should be you know ranked a lot closer to Zeke, maybe even ahead of him? Or is there enough concern with the way Carlos Hyde's been being used lately that you still think he is a low end RB two himself? Yeah, I got I have him at RB twenty two as well. Oh wow, and look at us. I, I, I guess like for me, it's like. Yeah, the injury has obviously been a factor for James Robinson, but it seems like it's something he's kind of have to deal with because, again, it's load management. But, I mean, hey, Urban Meyer, you gave him plenty of time off in the last game that they played. Like, what? That, like that's the thing. It's like the Jaguars team is just so bad. And James Robinson has, has just not been getting the same amount of workload that he had last year. Like, even when he's been, like, the guy, they've still featured Carlos Hyde more than any other running back they did last year like that's the big issue this team just doesn't score points like they can't move the ball like I, I watch this team play i just like i like look away for a second and trevor lawrence is like running for his life like trying to throw the ball to the quan treadwell or marvin like it's just such a dysfunctional offense that yeah he's like the i kind of view him basically in the same light as zeke it's like okay like you kind of have to play him because his gonna touch the ball a decent amount of time he could score you know he did have a really good game against the tennessee titans the last time he played them so that's kind of what i would lean towards i'm not trying to sit james robinson it's good that you know the injury thing and, and they have had apparently like open discussions with urban meyer about you know about his like workload i don't know if we have like a squeaky wheel narrative at play here but i mean i, I can't imagine it's gonna be as bad as it was last week so yeah i think robinson i'll probably have to move him up into at least the top 20. The most ridiculous part with the situation, because Dwayne, like, Hyde's getting the actual, like, two-minute in the pass down snaps, right? So stupid. Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> but look, what do we get about this offense? Like, it's like, how many people right. can we stack, uh, you know, LaVisca Chenault behind? Like, it's like, hey, who's the next hey, agent we say can that, You say that, Dwayne, but if Hyde Robinson, Trubwell, and Marvin Jones also go down, like, it could be Visca season. No, <laughs> I mean, they gotta put the, they're got to put they going to put the water boy in the game. <laughs> like, hey, yo, suit up. There we go. Yo, I think the funniest part, this, you know, complete uh, side note, but the funniest part of the Waterboy movie is when he's like watching ESPN. They're like, by the way, the University of Michigan decided to try their hand and they put their towel boy out there, a wide receiver. And you just see this dude's head get taken off by the safety on a slant. So, uh, okay. Josh Jacobs, um, full all week with this ankle injury. We got Kenyon Drake done for the year. Jalen Richard still on the COVID list. Dwayne, we do our uh, weekly Thursday night show. Everyone should check it out. Uh, it's on Twitter Spaces, actually. Dwayne, myself, and Brian Drake. And uh, I was actually really surprised when I think you had Josh Jacobs as like your top eight RB uh, or something like that. But seeing him practice in full all week, having Richard out, having Drake out, like I, I think you're onto something here, man. RB eight, Josh Jacobs. I have we're five. here. We're doing it. Five. five? Now. Yeah. Is this a con I have Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, Leonard Fournette, Alvin uh, Kamara, then Josh Jacobs because we've got the illness with Mixon, right? You got Patterson who didn't get a full workload. You got Gibson who's got a game strip concern. Dalvin had an injury concern. You know, Saquon just hasn't been effective. So I just feel like like that's where he fits. I'm going to move David Montgomery up the ranks. We haven't got to him yet, but he had a full practice today. So I might slot Montgomery up closer to that. But, yeah, I think he's for sure in the top seven to eight just because he's going to – probably be out there 75 to 80 percent of the snaps we can see a little bit of Peyton Barber probably spelling him and maybe getting a little bit of work in the passing game but the biggest part is I expect to see you know Jacobs handle all the long down and distance all the two-minute offense all that kind of stuff that really adds up together to give you the third down and fourth down roll um, whenever teams have to throw the ball start sit questions with Jacobs with Kamara and with Dave Montgomery this week 
Yes, everyone, that's what we're doing. Start all those guys. Kamara full all week. Sean Payton says full. Time Montgomery, Mark Ingram on the COVID list. You're starting Alvin Kamara, and that's that. Same thing with Dave Montgomery. This workload has been borderline erotic for a while. I know he's got the shoulder, the groin, the glute, but again, to not even see him have an injury designation going into Sunday, that's when you can feel really good about his usage not really changing. So fire up all those guys with all sorts of confidence. The more tricky situation continues to be in San Francisco. Haven't gotten the final injury designations yet, but it looks like Mitchell, once again, not out there. I mean, you can't go from a DMP all week with a concussion to playing on Sunday. It's just you need to at least get to a limited at some point. I would expect him to be ruled out. Now, Andrew, the more interesting thing is we heard earlier in the week that Jeff Wilson had like re-aggravated that same knee that kept him out for the first 10 or so weeks of the year. I was expecting him to probably miss this week. He was already up to a full practice on Thursday. Now we also have Hasty. We do have Debo Samuel returning to practice on Friday. Obviously, Kyle Juszczyk continues to get a lot of work as well. Andrew, where do you where are you kind of ranking Jeff Wilson and Jermichael Hasty uh, this week? Because we talked about it in DFS. Is there, you know, is there really enough upside to go for either of these guys if it's a split situation? Yeah, I think that I so I haven't moved Jeff Wilson out or up basically because it's all Elijah Mitchell on the rankings, but it definitely seems like it's trending in the direction where Mitchell's probably not going to play. Hopefully, we get an Adam Schefter bomb Saturday because it is the late game. They do play at four twenty-five, so we're not yeah. going to know before lineups lock potentially. So just something to keep in mind. So he'll definitely enter into the top twenty-four conversation again. I got to get rid of Jamal Williams and move some of these other guys around here in the rankings. So I still think in DFS, he's 4,400 on DraftKings. I mean, he's still the guy I'm going to gravitate towards. I'm not necessarily concerned about Hasty being back in the lineup. I know that he wasn't active when we had the spot start for Jeff Wilson back in week 11. But I mean, the usage in that particular game was really good for Jeff Wilson. He had 20 touches. He should have scored a touchdown off Jimmy Garoppolo. He just freaking airmailed the, ball, airmailed the ball to him in the end zone. So it looked like a disappointing day from a fantasy produ- production standpoint, but he had really good usage, and that was with Debo Samuel getting eight carries as well. And Trey Sermon had 10 carries in that game. So they blew out the Jaguars, which was part of the reason why there were so many running back touches. But I mean, Jeff Wilson was the lead guy, and he gets goal line touches. Obviously, Debo, if he's back, he could siphon away some of these high-value opportunities. But I mean, he's just still so cheap. So I feel pretty comfortable playing him in cash games. And the thing is, because he is playing in the late window, you can get off of him you know, as chalk. Like, you can just swap to another receiver. You can target Brandon Ayuk in the passing game. You know, we talked about it's a good matchup for them. I know the Bengals are missing a couple of their starting cornerbacks. So yeah. there's a lot of opportunities. I think it makes a lot of sense to build lineups with Jeff Wilson if we get the the uh, confirmation that he's going to be the starting running back. And then you can always pivot off him in the late window. Dwayne, assuming Mitchell is out, when you look at guys like, you know, Claude Ebersolaire, A.J. Dillon, Melvin Gordon, Chuba Hubbard, kind of that low-end RB2 range. Would you be willing to fire up Wilson ahead of those guys, yeah. or is he kind of in the thick of it? Oh, no, ahead I, have, of him? Okay. I, have, I have Wilson ahead of all those guys. I'll start Wilson over Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I would start him over James nice. Robinson, start him over Devonta Freeman, start him over A.J. Dillon. So I have him at 19 right okay. now. Um, you know, I think mid-range RB2, knowing that you get to be on the offense that runs the ball more than any other offense in the league, don't care, leading, trailing, tied, doesn't matter. Kyle Shanahan's going to run the football. And we also have seen they have a really good ability to get those guys involved in the early downs in the passing game. So, And, and what Andrew said, like, don't forget that workload Jeff Wilson had a few yeah. weeks back. Like, I know it didn't come to fruition, but, like, it was him. And so, Hasty, I do believe, will just be – uh, really more the passing down back. And then to your point around Debo, depending on if Debo's, if Debo's active, Hasty probably sees less of that, right? We see a little more of Debo in that role. Joe Mixon was out a lot of this week with an illness. He is officially listed as questionable, but was able to get out there on Friday. And we already got a board from Coach Zach Taylor that he is expected to be good to go for Sunday. You know, keep an eye on if we have, because they want to see how Mixon's going to feel up until game time. Just note that Chris Evans is out with an ankle injury. So if Mixon isn't in there, it would be the Samaj P. Ryan show. He would be vaulting up. I mean, I don't know if we could squeeze him in the top 12 necessarily, but he would be a for sure recommended start upside RB2 as basically the only lone back remaining in that Bengals offense. So, you know, if you are a Joe Mixon manager and you have someone on your bench that you really don't need, I mean, this is the point in the year where I think, you know, handcuffing some of your guys when it is this cut and dry can make some sense. Also, Melvin Gordon, another guy listed as questionable, but he is expected to play. Vic Fangio said that he believes Gordon will be playing. We do have Mike Boone. Uh, popping up on the IR list with COVID. 
there are situations, guys, like we saw this happen with Keenan and Mike Williams, like a guy gets on the COVID list and then we find out a day later. So like he has some close contacts. I'm not saying we should be, you know, guaranteeing that Gordon or Javante are going to be popping on there or anything like that. But again, just another situation to uh, monitor. Make sure, you know, on Saturday, like 5 or 6 p.m., you go ahead and just make sure there's not any breaking news with situations like that. Already talked about the Detroit Lions with DeAndre Swift out again with a shoulder. Now with Jamal Williams on the COVID list. Um, again, just don't get expectations too out of control for those guys. And I think the same uh, thing kind of applies to these Jets and Seahawks backfields. They're both been messes more weeks than not. We got Tevin Coleman and Michael Carter out for the Jets. So now it's Ty Johnson, awesome Walter season. Probably, hopefully, but who knows? Maybe they'll add a third back to the mix. Well, Michael P. Ryan? Yeah, man. <laughs> can, he, like, can he be active for a game? <laughs> is Josh Adams still there? Like, they have other options. So, you know, in New York, I'm still not really too inclined for those guys. Uh, let's get dark here. It's Friday. Screw it. Gun to my head, I would say Ty Johnson uh, being the pass down back. But, again, there's just no confidence. He's not going to be in my top 24. And the same thing goes for Seattle. Like, AP could be having a bigger role now moving forward. But we saw Rashad Penny have the role last week. And no, hey, Alex Collins, you're back now after missing last week with the abdomen. Travis Homer is out of the picture. But I think in both of these backfields, we're looking at three-plus backs, and I don't want to play a single one of them. Dwayne, are you with me, or are you just like a closet Austin Walters fan? No, I'm not. I, you know, I'm not a closet fan of anything that looks like a three to four back committee on a bad offense. Like those, you know, I know, I know the, the cool thing to say is embrace the variance, right? That's how you win. This is not the variance you're looking for. Like, it's just like star Wars. These aren't the droids you're looking for, but these aren't, this is not, these are not the backs that you want to be you know looking at. So Ty Johnson, you know, I'll have him in my fifth tier. Like once I move things around. So in the same tier as like a McKissick, Mike Davis, Abdullah and then Walter will probably be just pretty close to that I mean I honestly it could be either or right that really ends up being the one that gives you like an RB3 performance um, but yeah I don't really want to deal with either of these backs or LaMichael, LaMichael P. Ryan if Andrew he can he can be active J.D. McKissick officially listed as questionable with the concussion. He's progressed through the protocol, but he was still limited on Friday. So it's not a guarantee that he will be good to go. Andrew, we have Josh Jacobs. I think he's probably going to be locked in the cash lineups. But Gibson is only $200 cheaper. And I think if you want to go like Eckler, Jacobs, Gibson, if McKissick is out, that can make some sense. But if we see McKissick back in the picture, how much are you downgrading Gibson? Because, look, I think people should probably be starting Gibson um, not quite no matter what, even if McKissick is in there, but it's still going to be hard to rank, you know, more than 12 or 13 running backs ahead of him. Thoughts on Gibson with or without McKissick? Hmm. Yeah, no, this one's a, this is something I've been trying to like really think through in my mind because I, I, we've seen how good this team has been when they leaned on Gibson, like just like feeding their best player as much as they can. We saw him get a ton of work in the passing game against Seattle when McKissick was still active. So, you know, maybe they're starting to kind of realize, all right, maybe we don't need to feature McKissick. I mean, McKissick has been kind of limited at practice. Like, how much is he involved in the game plan? I know they're playing Dallas, and there's a potential that they're going to be have to be playing hurry up. But we know that Gibson can play that role. So, for me, yeah, I think that I think I'll have to move him down, like, a little bit if McKissick is active. But I think, like, in DFS, if people get worried about, oh, no, McKissick's back. Like, Antonio Gibson's role is going to blow up. Like, I'm sure Dwayne can kind of, like, add to this. But I think that... Gibson's role in the passing game, especially because they use him on early downs, at least lately, I feel like it's here to stay. I feel like even if they're behind, I feel like Gibson is still going to be like a guy that you want to play um, in DFS and in your season-long leagues. Dwayne, you say a lot of cool stuff, but you really blew me away with one this week. What was the Washington like pass? Oh was my like God. Their, yeah. What, what, before the bye, like they hadn't trailed, or no, they hadn't yeah, like so actually before, led. Yeah, yeah, before the before the bye, like through eight weeks, they had led by four or more points, which is what I qualify as a leading script in the way I break these things down. Um, they hadn't led by four or more points except for one play <laughs> the whole time. But then the last four weeks, it's 119 plays. And that coincides with what? 
Gibson really being able to get, you know, his fantasy production because he is the early down back when McKissick is around. Andrew's right, though. They still keep him involved. You know, the more they can be out there, the more plays they run. Even in the early downs, they will use Gibson. You know, his targets per route run, you know, is still really good. You know, he just doesn't get the passing network. So he never gets a chance to, like, blow the lid off of those stats like what we want to see. So he's, he's still definitely game script dependent. Um, but I think he's also healthier now. So they're trying to find other ways to get him involved. So I agree. I have him ranked right now. I'm assuming that McKissick's going to play. And I still have him in my top eight because, I mean, this is a game. The spread's not out of hand, right? It's four. Dallas is four. They're four-point favorites. Um, so it's not like something where we're looking at, you know, a seven to ten-point dog kind of situation where you're just like, oh, God, I know McKissick's going to be in there. And, man, I watch every Cowboys game. If you want to run the ball against Dallas, you can. And with Washington, they run the ball above the NFL average in every type of game script, even when trailing. So I think Gibson's good for at least one touchdown, no matter what this weekend. And my gut says he'll he'll probably have 100 yards on Dallas's defense. Um, the only way he won't is if, and this could happen, is if they really fall behind early. And we know that the Cowboys, you know, overall their defense isn't great, but they can put you in a hole if you give Diggs a pick six. That must have been one of like because you said it. They've had one play where they were leading. <laughs> they must, Heineke must have thrown like a pick six or something. <laughs> like, Every game. Hey guys, we got a lead. You know, we're finally <laughs> playing with the lead here. Let's see what happens. Just immediately yeah. blows it. So that is wild. Good notes on Gibson. Um, under the radar addition that I think we have uh, luckily alerted our faithful listeners about throughout the week. But Jerry McNichols has been practicing in full all week. That concussion. I think he's going to be back to being the pass down back. Like McNichols has been Derrick Henry's primary backup in part because Darrington Evans hasn't been able to stay healthy. But for the last two years, it's been McNichols. You know, Dontrell Hilliard got on the team like a month or two ago. So I think it'll be McNichols as the pass down back. But I think the biggest thing here, we'll probably see each of those two and Deontay Foreman active. Deontay Foreman should be the recommended fantasy star out of the group. I get it. Hilliard had that cool draw he took to the house for like 60, 70 yards against the Patriots, but Foreman also went over 100 yards, and he had 20 touches in that game. We're facing the Jaguars. You know, I couldn't squeeze Foreman in my top 24, but I still think he's an upside RB3. I love him in tournaments. Dwayne, are we sleeping on Foreman a little bit too much here? He seems like we'll have the volume. Yeah, I have him at RB29. Felt very similarly to what, you know, you were just kind of your thoughts that you're outlining there. Um, he'll probably move up even a little bit because there are a couple of folks that I haven't pulled out of the ranks yet. And a lot of the names we've talked about that we're going to be adding to the ranks. I don't see putting over Foreman. They're going to be more fringe plays like he is, but I feel more confident. So like that's basically what my whole fifth tier of running backs, that's what it is. My fifth and sixth tiers are like these more uncertain situations. And then seventh tier is really just backups that we don't expect to be on the field unless somebody gets hurt. Um, so looking at, you know, the way I have that tier set up right now, I have Deontay Foreman at the very top of it. You know, eight and a half point favorite. Well, I haven't updated this since yesterday. Eight and a half point favorites. Uh, running back strength of schedule, 10 out of 10. Perfect on the week. Offensive line run blocking advantage, 75. Second highest on the on the week, only behind Ooh. the 49ers. Um, you know, it's 23.7 points per game um, given up, you know, by uh, Jacksonville to opposing running backs, which is about average. But like, it's one of those things where I know you, you talk about my Christmas tree, my Christmas tree rankings. <laughs> it's all green. It's all green. Like, so if it was Twister, it'd be like uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, right? Greenage. <laughs> I love the references. I don't even get half of them, but I love them, Dwayne. Uh, You've seen Twister, right? right? Yes, that's a great movie. I, I just couldn't. Oh, that, that, that is a character. Greenage. Yeah. All right. yeah. Whatever. Let's go. Saquon Barkley limited all week with an ankle. Uh, you know, as Andrew and I were saying, I'm, you know, I don't want to keep, I've referenced the DFS pod already like five times, but you know, it's, great it's, a, good it's a great show. It's a great show. show. But if you just look at Saquon and you if you just cover up all the running backs' names, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a better play than a 6K featured workhorse running back against the Chargers defense that we have seen throughout the season. They've been a little better in recent weeks, but not be able to defend teams even when we know that they want to run the ball. So don't, like, I get it. Saquon, I'm not saying Fireman was a top 10 running back, but don't just be benching Saquon Barkley because he's, he's Saquon close, Barkley. Though. Like, yes. you know, Andrew hit some really good points earlier. Just to add on, like, I'll just real quick for Barkley. So 
playing against um, who? Who do they have this week? Ian Chargers. Chargers. Yeah. So looking. Sorry, I know I was on the wrong. I was still on Jaguars from the last one. So Chargers give up twenty eight point two regulation rushing attempts per game. So I get rid of overtime, right? Because overtime is random. So that's the fifth most in the league. And if you look at it over the last six weeks, just from a trend standpoint, they're giving twenty nine point two rushing attempts per game. Why? Because they invite it. Like, listen to these. These are the attempts against them, uh, 23, 30, 26, 16. But then listen to this stretch, 33, 35, 36, 33, 32, 18, 32. So, yeah, the Chargers are going to invite the run game. And additionally, right, the Chargers are also a very – they run a lot of zone. Okay, so when you're playing against zone, what happens? The targets to the running backs go up. If you look at the Giants right now um, and you look at Saquon Barkley – um, he is at a 24% target per route run against zone coverage. That's a 14% increase from when he faces man. So you're going to get more passes to Saquon Barkley. You're going to have the you know Chargers inviting the Giants to run the ball. Basically, look, you're still going to deal with the Giants sucking. Like there's probably no way to fix that for this year. <laughs> but the volume is going to be there. This is the this is the most smash spot we've had for Barkley. To be honest, his matchups have been tough the last two weeks since he's been back. This is the first juicy matchups he. Juicy matchup he's had. I have him in my top twelve. Ooh, I love it. Like I'm, I'm saying these nice things and, and then not actually going all the way in. <laughs> Dwayne is taking that leap of faith, so appreciate you there. Monday night football. We got Daryl Henderson. He started the week with a limited practice with his thigh. I mean, he was healthy enough last week to actually be active. Now they leaned on Sony, um, obviously, but if Henderson is going to suit up this week, which I do think he will, I would anticipate him being back to the lead back. Dwayne, we've already talked about on the podcast several times just about some of those comments from McVeigh, I think we're taking a little bit out of context. Uh, they were kind of morphed a little bit more into pro Sony comments. And yeah, McVeigh's not going to put down Sony. Maybe Sony is more involved. Like I don't have Henderson as the top 10 back that he might be if we had absolutely no questions. Still a recommended start in Sony and more questions than not is going to be a recommended sit. Austin Eckler dealing with a little bit of an ankle issue. He was limited, but it doesn't seem like anything that's going to be impacting his usage or status. He is the clear cut overall RB one of the week. Andrew, I, I know you're, you know, doing some ad drops mid show with uh, these running back situations. What were your kind of initial reactions on miles Gaskin being placed on the COVID IR? Do you care? Or like Dwayne says, this just variance that we want nothing to do with. Well, my first thing I thought of was, Oh my God, like, is, is it Duke Johnson season? Because I, I, I thought that he was still on the Miami Dolphins, <laughs> which I still have not confirmed or denied whether that is actually a fact or not. So, but I think that the issue was, you know, we talked about it. With, I was talking with Dwayne before you hopped on here. You know, Salvin Ahmed, Philip Lindsay, like, they play kind of like the same role. So it's like, which guy is going to be featured more? I mean, they added Lindsay. They've had Ahmed during the season. He's, you know, had a couple of decent showings in the past for Miami. So it's tough. I think that you maybe if you have a roster spot, you can stash one of the guys. I guess I'll probably lean towards Lindsey just because they added him, but I don't feel great about it. Like it really could go either way. And there's no guarantee that it even matters because Miles Gaskin just come off the COVID list and it doesn't even matter. And so if you have the roster spot, I think that, okay, you can speculatively add one of these Dolphins running backs, especially if you have a, you know, a slot to kill. But the thing is like, they don't gain any value like this week. Like, you're hoping that they have value, whereas you could be missing out. Like, if you add a, you know, a P run, like, I don't know if I would drop P run to pick up a Dolphins rack of running back because if Mixon goes out, gets hurt, and I was holding on to Philip Lindsay, and then Miles Gaskin comes off the cover of this, I just like made the most boneheaded decision I could have made. So, there's only a couple scenarios where I really would feel like I need to grab a mind running back. I guess if I own Miles Gaskin, okay, then that's probably the reason I would add Philip Lindsay. But besides that, it's like, I feel like you're kind of really grasping at air a little bit. We even got Malcolm Brown potentially able oh, to come yeah. back off IR. Just Not had to work it in there. Just had to work it <laughs> I literally totally now. forgot about Malcolm Brown like existing. <laughs> Patrick Laird is on IR. The amount of just irrelevant running backs oh, we have to talk God. about with the Dolphins. Like, Dwayne, similar. Let, let's assume Gaskin is somehow out next week. Even with that said, I don't think we could rank any of these other guys in the top 24, let alone the top 30, maybe nope. even 36. Nope. nope. Complete split. Great. 
Moving on to wide receiver. God, we probably just lost like half our listeners talking about Miami Dolphins running backs on a bye. But you know what? We're trying to cover everything here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. But we have received news that Keenan Allen is officially out with COVID. Meanwhile, Mike Williams, who is a close contact, has been producing negative tests throughout the week. Dwayne, with Keenan out, and let's presume that Mike Williams is in, he is the he's a complete must start top 10 top 12 whatever you want to rank him must start mike williams at the same time though we could certainly see this passing game go through mike eckler maybe jared cook a little bit but jalen guyton and um josh palmer their guys i think are still better probably treated as wide receiver fours like it's much easier and it's still not even perfect that running back trying to anticipate the usage when a backup is elevated even harder to do so a wide receiver yeah, totally. Um, I don't really, I, the other two really are just punt plays more for DFS purposes. If you play in a really deep format and I know we get, cause I get the DMs, Hey man, I'm in a 2017 league. I'm like, Whoa, like, okay. <laughs> uh, odd number and way up there. But in, in that kind of situation, like, yeah, it's like, what happened to team 28? You guys run him off. Um, so you can use him in those kind of formats, right? Like what John Hansen calls skank leagues. <laughs> you know, if you're in a skank league, go ahead, like pick up uh, those guys and you can Scott Fishbowl is a good example where there's nothing so i mean you're gonna you might pick up a player like that and you might use them this weekend with the playoffs starting i have a bye week personally but you guys can have fun with that uh mike williams i have inside my top 10 ian like it's a it's it's a great spot like and i wouldn't argue honestly like anybody could put because right now i've got godwin lamb and higgins above him you could argue like he should go above all those because he's probably going to see a funnel those other guys all have competition you know for targets so I'm still leaning into the talent of the other players, I believe being higher than what Mike Wilson, Mike Wilson, Mike Williams provides us. So I've got him at 10 right now. But I mean, again, like if somebody was like, no, man, I got him in my top six or seven, like this week with the way this slate stacks, I don't, I don't think I could argue with it. Other injuries in the same game at wide receiver. New York Giants, as we mentioned, Mike Glennon is expecting to be the starting quarterback. He's listed as questionable, but did practice in full on Friday on pace to be under center. Kenny Galladay, also listed as questionable, did not get up to a full practice this week. Same goes with Sterling Shepard. Kadarius Tony has already been ruled out. We don't really want to be touching this group. There's just too much unknown with the pecking order, and just it's an offense where the upside, just even without the clapper, isn't really worth pursuing and fantasy land uh, more optimistic in a positive situation to be looking at is in Tennessee where Julio Jones got in a full practice on Friday practice all week seems set up to return off the injured reserve list and work as the number one Titans pass game option in an exploitable matchup against the Jaguars Andrew how far in are we in on Julio I'm saying top 24 what say you yeah, I mean, it's really weird to be like, oh, my, my fantasy playoffs are on the line. I'm going to play Julio Jones, who has basically been a ghost all season long in my lineup. But, like, that's the decision you have to kind of make this week. I think it's really boomer bust with Julio because the guy has just been, like, he could go out there and run five routes and then dick all my hamstring again. Sorry, like, I'm out. Like, I'm sorry, it can't happen. Again, you also look at this from, like, a game script perspective. Like, this isn't like, yes, the matchup is good. You know, he's obviously playing a terrible defense. But, you know, the Titans don't exactly have, like, this elite passing game. You know, it's Tannehill and Julio, and they could just run the football because they'll be able to do that against Jacksonville. So, I think I'd lean more on the side of playing Julio. I, I like chasing the more upside. We've talked about some of these, like, fringy running backs. Like, I'm playing Julio all, all over those guys. Like, the ceiling is there. The target share you can clearly see is there with the other players in the Titans offense. They start really having anyone else that's going to command a large portion of targets in this offense. So, yeah, I'm at 31 right now, and that was kind of like a placeholder because I wanted to figure out who's going to play. So I'm going to probably move him up at least in my top 24 as well. When you're playing Julio ahead of guys that are maybe in better pass-happy offenses but don't have the same kind of stranglehold on the number one job, your Michael Gallups, your Jerry Judys, yep. Van Jefferson, OBJs of the world, we're going Julio? That's exactly the way I'm looking at it. Um, like Landry, we know could be a, a target hog in his offense, but I think Julio still gives you more upside. So I've got Julio 30, Landry 31. Then I get into like this group you're talking about Christian Kirk, Jerry Judy, Tyler Boyd, Michael Gallup. Had KJ Osborne at 36. Um, obviously, he's going to beat that finish, but Cortland Sutton, Kenny Galladay, uh, Manny Sanders, Marvin Jones, Rondell Moore, all those types. I've got Julio above. 
Allen Robinson also looks like he will be back, been missing a bunch of time with a hamstring injury himself. We've gotten some good weeks out of Darnell Mooney during the stretch. It is Justin Fields under center. And I think the last time Robinson was out there, we did see his best game of the year against the Steelers. Now, I don't think it's nearly enough to feel at all confident about uh, slotting A-Rob back in the starting lineup. It's unfortunate we've gotten to this point. But, Andrew, like, is having Robinson back in the lineup enough to basically push Mooney as well down to do-not-start territory? I mean, I think that it probably – I think because he was like a wide receiver too. I mean, he has had a, a bunch of monster games back-to-back, but he's had such a high target share in that offense. And even though he's had good games with Allen Robinson, I think, it, I think like you said, I think it just does enough to move him down – two wide receiver, three territory, where now you are debating a little bit more about, do I jam him in? It's like, I mean, the Packers defense has been pretty good this year for the most part, even without Jair Alexander. So, yeah. you know, they're playing in Lambeau, I believe. It's just like, I mean, how great of a sp- And Andy Dalton, like, the offense just operates better from a passing game perspective with, with Dalton. Like, I think that Fields is obviously the better fantasy asset by himself, but they just throw the ball more with Andy Dalton because they can't run it as much. Um, with him under center where Fields will take advantage of his legs a little bit more, run the ball with David Montgomery. So, yeah, I think Montgomery, he's outside of my top 30 for Darnamoney. A good general rule of thumb if you have a pretty close start-sit question, and one of myself, Dwayne or Andrew, unfortunately can't uh, answer it for you straight up. Look at which player is in the better offense, and it's going to be the other player in every single discussion with Mooney (laughs) or Robinson because the Bears are implied to score a weak low. 15.25 points. That is so brutal. I cannot overstate that. Unfortunately, one of everyone's favorite potential, you know, he has been breaking out, but we were hoping for even more of that in the fantasy playoffs. Elijah Moore is listed as questionable, hasn't been able to practice all week with a quad. Uh, Dwayne, you know, Brian Drake is just riding the Jamison Crowder bandwagon. Man, <laughs> Did you retweet him? Did you retweet that yet? No, I didn't even see him tweet it, so I got to do that. I but while, while I do that, Dwayne, talk about you know your confidence level and more if he does suit up, and if not, what we're making of this Jets passing game. Um, it's not high. With honestly, I'm removing him. Like when once you get the three DMPs in, um, and he was a DMP today too, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, he didn't play yeah, something. Yeah, so I'm out. Like I once players have the three DMPs in a row, I remove them, and then on Sunday if I hear news, I will re-add them. But I had Elijah Moore at 16. He won't be anywhere near that at this point because I think he's just going to be too big of a risk of re-injuring himself. He's going to face a lot of man coverage. That's going to require some effort to get open against Lattimore. So I could you could see easily an off-ball injury. It's not like he's just going to be out there pace, placing off coverage and saying, oh, I can kind of halfway run my route this time. Like He's going to have to be really trying to put effort into getting open. And so I think that's going to be an issue. It sucks because more 35% targets per route run um, you know, against man coverage is really good. And so we were going to get to see plenty of one-on-one potential shots. And all you need is one of those to go your way. And if you get two, like you have a huge day, um, even against better cornerbacks. So I'll have more completely out of my ranks. As far as what I'm going to do with the rest of the Jets, you know, receivers, we will have Keelan Cole back. I expect him to play Corey Davis's role, probably see some more Denzel Mims. We will see uh, Crowder in the slot. But for the most part, Zach Wilson has ignored Crowder all season. You know, so this isn't like the first week we've seen Crowder, but you know, he is a, he's an NFL veteran. Like, you know, he's played well, you know, multiple seasons. So, I mean, maybe, I, I don't know where I'm going to push him up to He'll still be in like my forties. There, there's not a clear answer here is like, Oh, this is going to be the player. I think it's more of they're all punt plays kind of more similar to what we talked about, you know, with the chargers, you could, you could say, well, let's put Crowder above like Guyton because at least we've seen Crowder be good. Um, you know, multiple times in his career, but somewhere in that range. Going to run through some guys who aren't dealing with anything too serious, and we can basically fire them up as usual before we talk a little bit more about the San Francisco wide receiver room. T. Higgins is listed as questionable with an ankle injury. Zach Taylor has already said that he is expected to play, though. Fire up Higgins as a legit top 20 option at the position. Cooper Cup limited with a toe injury, but there's no reason to expect that to be too serious. Again, when they're already starting off the week as limited, only like a midweek downgrade to DMP is truly going to take us off the pace there. 
DK Metcalf. He's been dealing with his toe injury all year. So even though he had, didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday, uh, or it's a foot injury, excuse me. Um, we're used to seeing that. And he's also now dealing with an illness. So unless we truly see him listed as questionable, Pete tells us he's a game time decision, continue to fire up Metcalf as a confident wide receiver too. That is due to boom. Might as well happen against the Houston Texans. Devontae Adams listed as a limited participant with a hamstring injury throughout the week. Not the best thing coming off the bye, you know, would maybe caution uh, against that a little bit in some of those showdown um, lineups. But with that said, no injury designation. Obviously, you're starting Devontae Adams. And Randall Cobb missing some time with that core muscle injury. Marquez Valdez-Scaling receives a nice bump. I did see him pop up, though. He got a limited practice on Friday with a back. No injury designation, but just something to keep an eye on there. Curtis Samuel listed as questionable per usual with the groin. He should be good to go, but behind Terry McLaurin, we just can't trust any of those Washington wide receivers. Also, Jarvis Landry, good to go, continuing to be managed with the knee. And with Deontay Harris suspended and Lowell Jordan Humphrey injured as well with a hamstring, if Taysom Hill proves capable of throwing a ball, it is probably going in the direction of Traquan Smith or Marquez Callaway. But, I mean, come on, guys. Like It's already hard enough to play these guys when Taysom's under center and now a banged-up version of him. No, we are playing Taysom purely because of that rushing upside. Do not get tricky with the receivers. Now, that rushing upside has helped Debo Samuel a lot in recent weeks. But, you know, guys, we were starting to talk about this before Debo even got hurt. We can't necessarily expect him to keep converting six to eight carries per game into like 80 yards and a touchdown or two on the ground. He is, I guess, trending towards playing this week. He was a DMP until Friday, but he did manage to return to practice. Officially listed as questionable with the groin. Andrew, I still think we need to have Debo in starting lineups if he is going to be playing, but I think my level of confidence is a little bit lower uh, than usual. Where do you see yourself kind of ranking Debo, assuming he is good to go for Sunday? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even have Debo in the ranks because I did not think that he was going to make this quick of a turnaround. So I think I'll probably put him probably right next to Brandon Ayuk, probably one spot ahead of Ayuk just to kind of like hedge my bad space because I think I don't really know. Like, because when we have these three 49ers guys, it's someone always kind of gets left out. So I, I think that they're all in a good spot. And the Bengals are a beatable defense. We saw the Chargers rip them up last week. It's a good matchup for George Kittle um, against their linebacker. So like, it's a really good spot for all of them, but one of them is going to dud. Like, I can guarantee that. Just it's trying to figure out which one. And your Debo coming off the injury, okay, maybe it's you know it's definitely a little bit more risky but when he's been on the field this year he's just been such a monster and i guess i lean towards that kyle shanahan clearly doesn't care i mean we saw elijah mitchell come back from this weird finger injury and just have a monster game so you know correct thinking would make it seem okay maybe they don't like give debo like 10 carries because he's coming off he's hurt it's like maybe we don't run him through between the tackles but kyle shanahan's like well you know i don't really care because i just want to win games so i'm just gonna run him anyway so and then if they are using him as a running back, then that is more targets for Brandon Ayuk. So maybe that is kind of the way, the loophole, um, that's the perfect way to get off the Jeff Wilson chalk is just assume that Debo Samuel actually leads the leads the backfield and carries. Oh, yeah. I, I love – we were talking about Ayuk even in cash if Debo is out, but now I think he's a great tournament play, particularly with Shadobi Awuzie potentially missing this week with that foot injury. Eli Apple versus Brandon Ayuk, 60% of the time. Ayuk wins that every time. Dwayne – Debo, he had at least eight targets in every single game, weeks one through nine, but then we had Ayuk out of the doghouse. George Kittle gets healthy, and from weeks 10 to 12, he only had five, then two, and then four targets. He's getting the rush attempts, but, you know, how long can we expect him to average eight yards per carry or wherever the hell he's at here? Debo Samuel, thoughts on him, you know, compared to some of the other guys in the wide receiver two range, your Coopers, your DJ Moores, your T Higgins, Hunter Renfro's of the world. Where are you kind of putting Debo amongst those guys? Yeah, for me, um, I'll probably have, and I, I, I didn't have Debo back in my ranks yet. I left him out. I'm still not like optimistic. Like, I guess I'm more optimistic, like, relative to yesterday, but I still feel like this could be one of those things where he's just not active, right? It was a half speed session today. Um, gonna, you know, limited game time decision late. Like it's kind of one of those situations where it's like, I'm going to be careful with the way I rank him because I don't want people holding out hope for Debo this weekend. So I'll probably have him, you know, assuming he's not going to be 100% because Kyle Shanahan will play hurt players to Andrew's point. Um, you know, I'll probably have him more in like the wide receiver, high-end wide receiver three range. And then, mm -hmm. like, as far as the rest of the season goes, 
I think, you know, your concerns, you know, are valid. Like, um, how, how, how long can he continue to get the carries in the rushing game? One of the key things for Samuel, I will say, is like when they play heavy zone teams, like he is the target monster. Like he gets it all. When they, you know, Brandon Ayuk has really been more of their cheat code against man, like down the stretch. And so, I mean, the Bengals are more of a balanced team, so I don't think it matters enough this week. You know, you'll hear me call out those matchups sometimes, but I really only do it like if there's one extreme or the other. If the teams are somewhere in the middle and they run kind of both, then, you know, it's not really worth calling out. Elijah Mitchell has officially been ruled out. You know, we talked about the running backs earlier, but if Debo is good to go, could expect to at least see that rushing volume persist at a high level for another week with Mitchell out of the picture. Quickly, some tight end news. Darren Waller has officially been ruled out, meaning Foster Moreau will again be the Raiders' full-time tight end. You know, he's a borderline tight end one, and I if you were someone that just really tried to replace him with Waller, I'm not sure what you were doing, but I have Foster Moreau as my tight end 13 ahead of guys like Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby, Cole Komet. I could see me even bumping him over Noah Fant and Zach Ertz potentially. Andrew, does that sound about right to you or are you higher on Foster Moreau this week? No, I mean, last week we didn't really, really see the same type of, it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. I'll say that. And that wasn't because he didn't see a lot of targets. He didn't really see anything until the second half, but you know, his route participation was like in the 60% range, which that's not what it was like before. Like in the one spot spot he had earlier in the season for Waller, it was up there, you know, at the 80%, which is what you're really looking for for some elite tight end usage. So yeah, I still think that he's still, if you had added him, you started him, you're waiting out a Waller, he's kind of like your tight end option. I think that it's still okay to go back to me still, you know, a full-time player. And I think the matchup is actually better this week. I mean, the matchup wasn't exactly there. The Chiefs do give up a lot of receiving yards receptions to opposing tight ends. So I think that he's probably in a better spot. And the fact that he just like was so hyped up last week and just busted, it's just, it's just it kind of just seems like it's going to play out where he has a good game because that's just what happens that fantasy works. Dwayne, Rank Moreau, Austin Hooper, who is the clear-cut tight end one when Harrison Bryant ruled out with an ankle injury and David Njoku ruled out with COVID, and Jared Cook, who we are expecting to probably see some more wide receiver usage with Keenan Allen out. Moreau, Hooper, Cook, how do you rank them? I've got it. Hooper, um, Moreau, yeah. and Cook right next to each other. So they're really more flip a coin, but I have Hooper <laughs> squarely ahead of them. I've got Hooper at tight end 10. I've got Moreau at 15. Okay. I, I think that's very fair. And yeah, as Andrew uh, talked, like Dwayne, so you agree now because the chalk tight end this week is seeming like it's Jared Cook at 3,200. But for cash, like I'd much rather spend an extra 200 and get up to Hooper. Yeah, I would rather pl- I would rather spend a little bit to get to Hooper and and you know the tournament play too, just oh, yeah, just to get up. just to get away. Yeah, from from the roster ship projection on the road. Other quick notes, TJ Hawkinson, you know, kind of snuck up on us, but he is considered doubtful with the hand. He was limited to start the week, and then he got downgraded to DMP. This Lions offense, man, again, I just think the answer is no. Like, we're going to see some guys step up, but, like, tight ends more than anything. Unless you're in Washington, we cannot expect the backup to come up and play the same role. So, would not be messing around with those Lions backups if you can all help it. And, unfortunately, in Washington, we have that, you know, usually, as I just immediately contradict, myself uh we kind of have like a little bit more of an issue than usual where yes rsj doesn't have an injury designation but i'm not entirely sure that he's going to come back and get that 100 snap roll with Bates, you know proven to be plenty fine in his absence Dwayne, are you comfortable putting rsj back on that you know borderline tight m1 range where we were treating him before the injury um obviously logan thomas is out for the foreseeable future or would you kind of like to make sure that rsj does have that full-time role before we're really going to trust him uh, you know, I think he'll get it, but it's a matter of how healthy is he. I mean, it's good to see a full practice, and they have taken their time with him, but still overall, like, I'm just going to be a little bit more cautious, you know, with Seals-Jones yeah. this weekend. So, I'll, I'm looking right now. I mean, he'll be in, like, between, like, he'll be below Moreau and Cook, who we just talked about, but might be okay. next in line, like, tight end 17, 18, somewhere in there. I think I have him tight end 17, so that is absolutely perfect. Uh, quick news that just came out adrian peterson won't be playing in week 14 against the texans due to a back injury gentlemen <laughs> do we care no well i mean he did put the whole team on his shoulders last week so of course <laughs> that's why he's hurt now <laughs> we don't care rashad penny will probably you know well because you said alex collins is active so yeah, it's like they're just replacing one guy for the other guy and it's still gross 
Dwayne Girl Scout shows up to your door, but she's not holding Girl Scout cookies. She has a gun. She asks you who's going to be the highest scoring player in the Seattle backfield. Who do you say? I would say Alex Collins. I think it's Penny. So one DJ of us Dallas. Is, Let's go. Wow. Yeah. No, it, it could easily. Down. That's the thing. Like it, I could see any name we just gave being the one. Um, so yeah. Wow. I mean, to We're be fair, it is probably fun. Penny's chance. Like we've we've already seen Alex Collins, right? We've already been. We've ever you look. He dances a great jig, but I'm not sure he's a running back anymore. I do want to bring up one thing about just backtracking real quick. So Hawkinson. So if he doesn't play, so does this change how you guys feel about Amon Ross St. Brown at all? I mean, there's no Swift. There's no Jamal Williams. There's no T.J. Hawkinson. Like, isn't he like the best player on the team? I, th- I mean, I mean, Josh Josh Reynolds is there, but like he had 12 targets last week. Like, I don't think we should just totally ignore that if he's the number. I mean, you look at the the Denver Broncos, they have Fuller in the slot. That's not his, like, natural position. Like, he's one of PFF's worst-graded cornerbacks this year. I think that that makes him, like, a wide receiver three. Yeah, I agree with that. I have him at 39. Um, And if you look at, you know, the Broncos, they are a top three man coverage team. Um, now they play good man coverage. They're not just man coverage. They actually are really good when they do play man coverage. So that could be problematic. But whenever you look at, um, you know, the Lions, the number one man beater all year has actually been Amon Ra St. Brown. Just they get behind by so much teams just go to zone coverage late in games because they're just like, ah, it's the freaking Lions. We're just we're just basically watching, you know, the quarterback so we can pick him off again and see if we can get a highlight level. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think right. Th- he'll probably be like right next to Jamison Crowder, or at least in that same tier. So it's a good point, Andrew. I think especially if you wanted to, you know, get a little contrary and go with Amon Ra at 5K in some uh, DFS tournaments, you know. I do think people underestimate the upside of some of these slot receivers that can catch eight to 10 balls. I mean, it adds up pretty quickly in full PPR, which DraftKings is. Final tight end note, uh, just keep an eye on Zach Ertz. He was limited to start the week with the shoulder injury, but no real reason to believe uh, he'll be missing Monday night's game. But if you do end up seeing him listed as questionable on that Saturday uh, injury release, just keep in mind that you might need to go out and find a replacement. Quickly going to roll through uh, some just other injuries, not specifically for skill position players. Uh, the Panthers are getting their left tackle, Cameron Irving, back for the first time since week nine. Hopefully can keep Cam a little bit more upright. Unfortunately, Packers left tackle David Bakhtiari still not practicing, not expecting to be activated. Aaron Rodgers, government doesn't want you to know, has the largest drop-off in yards per attempt when in a clean pocket versus when pressured this year. No Khalil Mack, though, so wouldn't sweat it too much. T.J. Watt reportedly avoided a serious groin injury per rap sheet good to hear there saints are still without their right tackle ryan ramshack with a knee but taron armstead will be back that's good to see Ravens secondary all kinds of banged up with humphrey joining marcus peters on the ir even some of their backups anthony averett kevin seymour brandon stevens and chris westry in that uh secondary not they're not all going to miss it maybe none of them will but they are still on the injury report maybe just maybe donovan people's jones week speaking of the browns we do have greg newsom out with a Concussion. Good news for Hollywood Brown, potentially. Cowboys are getting Randy Gregory back this week. Man, if Gregory, Parsons, and Lawrence are all clicking at the same time, that is going to be a scary pass rush. Good luck dealing with that. Mr. Heineke mentioned Shadobi Awuzie uh, being questionable, and that could be a great opportunity for Eli Apple to get roasted by Brandon Ayuk. And again, we can get a nice pivot off of Jeff Wilson, DFS chalk. Probably see Ayuk's uh, projected ownership going down with Debo, if Debo Samuel winds up suiting up. And then finally, they look now, but Tampa Bay secondary is starting to get healthy. Jamel Dean's out there. Richard Sherman has been activated off the IR after having that calf injury. And Carlton Davis joined the forces again a few weeks ago. So I did enjoy Andrew's call about possibly going that Tampa Bay D fence in DFS this week because Josh Allen, you know, he's up there with Russ, Lamar, you know, Deshaun Watson uh, back in the day, these quarterbacks that run around a lot. And because of that, they do take some sacks. So even in a situation where the Bills score 20, even 30 points, we could still see the Buccaneers, you know, rack up enough negative plays, turnovers to still be more than solid in fantasy football. Dwayne, anything stick out from here that you want to talk about? No, man. I mean, like I'm excited about the Cowboys having the three best pass rushers, you know, ready to go. Like it, it's going to be for Washington. They need to get the running game going and they can't fall behind because if they do like this is going to be a nightmare for Heineke. 
Cowboys plus twelve hundred Super Bowl odds, man. I don't, I don't. It seems pretty steep to me. So maybe yeah. I'm biased, but I kind of like it. Andrew, <laughs> any thoughts on uh, these non-skill position players? Uh, no, I mean, uh, look, last time we saw Richard Sherman play, it, I was actually at the game against the Patriots, and Jacoby Myers was running circles around him. So, Stephon, <laughs> I mean, whoever he covers on the Bills is going to have a field day. So, yeah, Richard Sherman, like, yeah, he's back, but he's, he was not he playing pull, well he, he when he was, he was out there. in the game again. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> before, before we get out of here, I just want to let you all know that you can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you use code FANTASY. All the locked article content, all of our fantasy football rankings, we got betting dashboards, prop tools. Like, you know, it's an investment. We're not just asking you for your money and then saying, you know, good luck. We're trying to make you more money. That's the goal of our lovely company, Pro Football Focus. And again, you can get 25% off any PFF subscription with that code FANTASY. Please support the pod. Use that promo code FANTASY for 25% off any sub. And we're also asking all the listeners from all the podcasts to help us out and help you out by giving us the you know what you want letting us know what you want more from pff because the holiday season is here and because you fancy podcast listeners are the best we want your help email us at contact at pff.com and answer these questions what pff feature do you love the most and what do you want most from pff again that's contact at pff.com any suggestions any comments criticisms we will be happy to you know take them and then hopefully make our product even better in 2022 and beyond. also want to say that you can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code PFF, and bet just $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score a promo code PFF. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And just remember, you must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania. Only new customers, only minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager, one per customer, shipping supplies to DraftKings.com. Details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And also want to give a shout out to our friends at Western and Southern. Uh, you know, they are doing an awesome program where you can get your questions answered by Chris Collinsworth. And you actually, for all these uh, questions that you're going to submit, which you can do at westernsouthern.com slash askchris. One more time, westernsouthern.com slash askchris. Every submission earns you a chance to win the ultimate feast to celebrate football's favorite Sunday. They will cover your catering up to $2,500, coordinate your order from a restaurant near you, and have it delivered on February 13th for the Super Bowl. Again, don't forget to check out the Chris Collins with podcast and Western Southern's Instagram for answers, the best questions each week. Pretty good deal. You ask a question, you can win a $2,500 catering at the Super Bowl. Like I might just start making some aliases and trying to win that on my own. I'm sure my boss wouldn't appreciate that, so maybe I won't do it, but you could imagine. Either way, westernsouthern.com slash Chris. Remember, Western Southern, you can rest assured on game day. And if you're still looking for a Christmas present, probably, I do my Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve, but maybe I won't this year because you can get ahead of that and go to manscaped.com. Use code PFF for 20% off and free shipping. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped products. So get yourself, your dad, your brother, your friends, the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PFF. Gentlemen, we have completed our week 14 podcast schedule. We're going to be back with business as usual in week 15, 16, 17. We'll still be on here after that, probably more of a two or three episode per week, um, stuff like that in week 18 and beyond. We'll be here to help, but you know what? If you have a fantasy championship in week 18, like that's that's just ridiculous, and I, we're not going to completely go out of our way to help that. That's your fault. Like, I'm sorry. It's why I don't talk about kickers on this podcast other than, you know, to kind of slander Mac Jones a little bit and mention Nick Fulk. I, I'm just not going to do it, so we'll still be here. Dwayne and I will be talking for probably three hours about a bunch of meaningless games and all that. So I'm not going to completely leave you hanging. I'm just also not going to be, you know, up till 2 a.m. on Sunday night to help out with week 18. But I'm probably already just barking too much. I love my job and I love all you listeners out there. So Andrew, everyone can find you at Andrew Erickson underscore on Twitter. All your work at PFF.com. Anything else you want to get off your chest? Saquon Barkley's officially off the injury report. Ooh. He's that's it. That's the slate breaker. Saquon Barkley, let's go. And uh, people can hear you on SiriusXM at what times over the weekend? Three to five p.m. Saturday, and then seven to nine on Sunday with Brian Drake of the Fantasy Football Hustle podcast. A, a great show, right, Dwayne? It's a great show. I've heard that. <laughs> Most well-known for uh, the hustle and also his Jamison Crowder stand. Yes, yes. I'm sure that we're going to hear a lot about him on, on the show, and then I'm sure we'll hear a lot about him 
at the recap show. So, it's James okay. Crowder We're going to hold him accountable, though. <laughs> like, if Jamison Crowder bombs, he's going to see what it feels like to be like Ian or me when you make these bad calls. <laughs> and you just get roasted. <laughs> Dwayne, I was about to, you know, I, I shot your Twitter. You're at Dwayne McFarland, but I usually have to specify that your context matters. And now I see that you were just Dwayne McFarland at Dwayne McFarland. Corporate Dwayne. Yeah, I know. I just, I just decided, yeah, I don't know. I just switched it up. I was like, I've had context matters. Does, I was on there does, for like three or four. Does context not matter anymore? No, it still is, says is context was... matters if you click in there. I'll be honest, you just get tired of every tweet you have. Someone just rep- responds, context matters, you know. <laughs> so I just got tired of seeing that shit. <laughs> the, trolls, the trolls got to Dwayne. Oh, no. Week 14. You know, I'm very passive aggressive with the trolls. I don't say anything to them. I just changed my own behavior. <laughs> I just cry softly yeah. alone every night. I don't let them know I, that I'm crying. God, after I got my outro cut off four times. For Dwayne, for Andrew, I'm Ian. Thank you as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.